action. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Ravage Critics. It's another two-man sesh today, just myself, Glenn and Obi. Um, it was Obi and Chris last week, I believe. Uh, what did you guys talk about? Oh, what did we talk about? We talked about the Liam Neeson situation. Was, oh yeah, which was... evidently didn't affect you because you went to see a Cold Pursuit. Yeah, that film's trash though, fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, that film's genuinely terrible. And I've seen it getting really good reviews. Really? Yeah. Like, people saying it's some of the best work Liam Neeson's done in years, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? Some that's crap. probably not saying too much though. But the thing is, I thought I quite enjoyed The Commuter. I thought I think that's way better than this film. But anyway, mm. yeah. Okay. What else did we talk about? Me and Chris. I can't really remember. We talked I mean, about um, Punisher. We talked quite a lot, quite lengthily about Punisher. What about its cancellation? No, about the just the season two overall. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I, I would have listened to it, but um, he's not put it up yet. So yes, that was what two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's gone on holiday, so it won't be three, three, three weeks before that <laughs> thing comes up. Brilliant. This one will probably be out before then. So yeah. yeah. Oh, we should have said. Oh shit. What? We could have just said like this is seventy four, and then put the one out seventy four. No, there would have been, <laughs> there have been continuity errors. It's fine. <laughs> Um, so have we got any film news at all? I'm just um, trying Shit. Must be something. Well, there are the cancellations of oh, yes. Jessica Jones and um, Punisher Season 3. Uh, sorry, Punisher. Even though Jessica Jones has got a Season 3 coming out. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we didn't see it coming. But No. I mean, I don't really... I'm not going to lie, I don't really care. I don't know about you. I don't know how you feel. No, I... I've started, I watched the first episode of Daredevil Season 3, haven't watched Luke Cage Series 2, haven't watched Punch 2, or Jessica Jones Series 2, so, yeah. no, I I didn't really have the time, and plus, I don't know, I was just a bit, like, bored of them, I think, like, yeah. when, when I started watching Titans, that was so, just something so different, I was like, yeah, yeah I really enjoyed this. Kind of um, impression. Exactly, uh, and the same with, currently, The Umbrella Academy. Um, whereas I don't know, I feel like maybe once you've seen like four or five series of the Netflix ones, you're just a bit like, okay, I know what I'm getting. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I'm at the point now where, like, if they're on and I've got time, then I'll watch them. But I wouldn't like. There's no skin off my nose if, if I don't catch any of the any of them. To be honest. Yeah. So like, just in the season three, I could easily not watch that and be like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, no, that's fair. Although, as a completist, wouldn't you want to just watch that last one and then you've watched all of them? I mean, I guess, but... I mean, you've watched some trash right to the end just because... <laughs> yeah, that's a fair just, point. Just because you're a completist. Like, you still that's watch things point. like Legends of Tomorrow and all those other ones that, you know, you could probably spend your time watching something a little bit more entertaining. True. Yeah, to yeah, fair, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> if they, to be honest, because, like, I think it, Iron Fist, they, they changed it to... It was, was it only 10 episodes, I think? This one, season two. Oh, really? So I think if they would juice <laughs> Jessica Jones by a couple of episodes, then that'd be nice. Yeah. But I'm tired. I was saying to Chris, with even with Punisher, I'm tired of the 13-episode format. I think you should only be... I think you said it ages ago. It should only be as long as it needs to be. Because I feel like with Punisher, they were kind of dragging it out. And yeah, and it's weird considering Netflix like shouldn't really have to... You know, you shouldn't be beholden to a certain number of episodes. It should be, you know, like, um, oh, yeah, we can do this in nine. 
yeah uh, but next series might be 11 or whatever like yeah fine do what you know it's not network tv so it's not as if you've got to have a 13 week schedule that you know you have to adhere to it's it just doesn't mm. make any sense to me there was also wasn't it uh, i don't know if it was you or chris who put it in the group wasn't there talk of um these shows going to Hulu, or I don't know. If, uh... Yeah, there is talks about that because after each one of these has been cancelled, the uh, official social media page has always said like, "Oh, there's still more to come." Yeah. Um, and because I mean, Disney I think already owns about thirty percent of Hulu, and mm. then with the Fox acquisition, will own close to like two thirds or something. Mm. Um, so it makes sense, like you know, for the Disney Plus to be kind of the younger audience orientated content and then they can have hulu as the more kind of mature audience content mm-hmm. so i was gonna say a couple things i was gonna say is that so if it's on hulu i don't know where that leaves international viewers because we can't get hulu can we no so i don't know what they would do about that i'm not sure how viable that is well i don't know i think for me it would actually make sense for Netflix to sort of renegotiate and be like, hey, we will distribute this in other mm. territories. Because I think the problem with Netflix had and didn't want to continue with the Marvel ones was that they were footing the bill for all of these shows, yeah. plus having to pay like a premium um, kind of like license fee to Marvel for the use of these characters. So they were just paying loads of money. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense from like an economical point of view to get rid of them. But if marvel or disney are making these shows in-house and then netflix were just distributing them then that would probably be a bit more you know financially viable for them mm. yeah that probably makes more sense to be fair because otherwise uh, you know on, either they've got to make hulu kind of worldwide which i can't imagine they're going to be able to scale up quickly um or you know the other logical choices like amazon or you know a terrestrial tv channel which again i can't really see these shows being on like ITV2 yeah <laughs> um, second thing I was going to say is that so if it did go on to Hulu or some other streaming service does that mean they would have to remove the previous seasons from Netflix and then put them onto that one I don't think they could because Netflix have like per, you know made them so it is, an, it is it is one of the probably only genuine Netflix owned things so so then from a from a competition point of view you would be like well, unless you're starting the season fresh if you but if they didn't they started from a say season four of daredevil someone who that who has hulu would watch it and be like like oh shit we're already on season four i have to go back and go to the beginning so then you're going to netflix to go and watch the first three seasons so hulu would kind of be like oh yeah go to our competitor and watch this before you before you come back to us well yeah, unless Netflix sold, like, uh, agreed with Hulu to have, like, so they're kind of duplicated on both. Um, yeah. You know, Hulu paid for the first few seasons, or, or maybe even Disney have a little clause to say, well, you did, buy, you did make these shows, but because they you licensed our product, we were entitled to them. I don't know how it would work, but mm. you got things like, you know, Netflix have made later series of shows that have been cancelled that's true um you know like arrested development and um you know the other things like that um so it could be one of those situations where you know netflix have the back catalog and then made the new series and hulu might you know find a way to do the same but again yeah yeah, like these things are quite um 
US specific, aren't they? Because yeah. you've got Titans on DC Universe, which is showing on Netflix in the UK. So, yeah. So there's too many fucking subscription services. We've, we've spoke about this last year, um, and now it seems to be even more, because it seems like every major film studio is wanting their own yeah. subscription service, which is just like <laughs> ridiculous. It's like, you know, the sports... Um, channels now it's like bt got sky 11 sports and it's too much too expensive it's gonna it's gonna become so oversaturated that no one will bother paying for any of it because not one service has everything that person no. wants and like even though like obviously it's not it's not legal i'm not advocating this but like the rise of like when you get like them fire sticks that have got like every channel on them um yeah i think yeah i should get one of these rather than paying for six different subscriptions per month yeah yeah, I know. I, I mean, I'm not a businessman, so you know, maybe I've maybe I'm wrong. But it for me, it would make more sense for these big studios to sort of look at the big players in the streaming market already and just try and take a slice of that. Either purchase them if they've got enough capital, or yeah. to just enter into an agreement with them and be like, hey, you know, we're going to make this content and show it exclusively on your service for. You know, mm. X amount. That would make more sense, yeah. Because Netflix has already got hundreds of millions of subscribers. Mm. So it makes sense for you to put your content on there rather than for, I don't know, for example, Warner Brothers to make their own one with zero subscribers currently. Yeah. You know, put all the money into it. And then what what have they got? Like Harry Potter and I don't know what else, you know. So it's a big risk. But hey-ho, that's why... Mm. They earn the big bucks and I don't. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other film news or TV news? Um, so, critics have seen... Well, I've heard two contrasting stories about Captain Marvel. So I think pe- some people have seen it on early release. And there was a story that loads of people were like... Um, this is less like spare losers, yeah? Were like <laughs> signing up multiple accounts uh, to like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that and giving it a shit rating. <laughs> Just, what? just trolling <laughs> yeah i think as a trolling thing so like it had a kind of had a crappy rating or crappyish rating before it even come out then i've heard, also heard from um people who've got to watch it early like i watched a couple of youtube videos and stuff and they were saying that apparently it's really good so, okay i don't know I feel, weeks, I we, we talked about this on our group chat but i feel like they haven't done the marketing any justice because yeah. I agree. It just doesn't... It just looks fine to me. It looks a bit cheesy. Like, yeah. I don't know. But the thing is, like, cause, like, I was saying, like, if you compare it to, like, the marketing... Sorry. The marketing for Black Panther, which was, obviously, a big deal, like, first um, uh, superhero film starring black people. And, like, they marketed the crap out of that film. Like, wherever I was going, any advert I saw, like, it had something to do with Black Panther. And, like, the trailer they put out, or the trailers they put out were, like, gripping and like full of um cgi and all looking cool and stuff like that so like by the time you got into the cinema you were just so like filled to the brim with excitement for it that like you just couldn't wait to watch it whereas this film you know eh, you know I'll, 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 i will see it but like i'm not gonna like rush out and go see it on the first day it comes out sort of thing yeah i think i'm like... currently see like i'm currently interested to see it more for how it fits into the continuity of the timeline and also how she'll fit into Endgame more than wanting to see her in her own individual film. Yeah. 
that's fair. But yeah, it comes out in what two weeks, so two weeks, yeah. yeah. And that's... I saw I saw a spoiler on Twitter. Oh, why are you looking at Although, spoilers? But I didn't look at it. it. Literally, it literally got retweeted onto my onto my timeline, and it got retweeted multiple times. I'm like, what? The f-? I was getting so vexed. I was like, what the hell? Like, I mean, it's not really that big a deal. I don't. Well, I don't think it is anyway. Is but, it like, definitely a spoiler? Like, do you know if this actually happened? That's the thing. Like, I only saw because it was like a picture, and like I only saw like the top of the picture because you know you can like click into a picture and see the whole thing. Right. So I only saw the top of the picture and then. So, like, I didn't want to delve any further into it or any further into the tweet to see if it was actually real or not. But I, but I did see it. So, I, just, I don't know if it's real, but, you know, if it does happen, then I won't be that surprised, I guess. Okay. Yeah, Is it probably. something surprising? Uh, not really. Okay. That's not fine, really. then. Yeah. Oh. I heard there's two post-credit scenes, though. Okay. I assume, I don't know, maybe one would connect it to, like, because this is set before even like Iron Man, maybe it connects it to like Iron Man and then connects further on to Endgame, I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Or maybe just like a Captain Marvel 2, then an Endgame 1, I don't know. Mm. I, um, do you know what? I feel like Marvel have kind of not ruined films, not ruined credits for me, but kind of ruined credits for me (laughs) because now I get to the point, every film I watch, I will <laughs> stay behind yeah. just to see if there's a post-credit scene or I will have to Google it quickly to see if there's a post-credit scene before I can actually get up and fucking leave. And it's kind of annoying. <laughs> I don't know if you feel the same or not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think to an extent. Because I think there was one, I felt I can't remember the film, but I left and then I think Chris had said, oh, did you see the end credits bit? And I was like, no. Yeah. Well, I can't remember what film it was, but I don't think it was one that I was assuming there would be many post-credit scenes to. What film did I watch the other day? And there was the end credits. I'm like, what the fuck? What was I watching? Oh, I can't remember. It's so annoying. I can't remember. <laughs> but there were... <laughs> I, like, I, actually, I was got up. I was about to leave. And I was like, so let me just quickly Google see if it was an end credit scene. And there was. I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll just stay behind this. Was this a film in the cinema? Yeah. What was it? What have you seen recently? I've seen... Cold Pursuit. It wasn't Cold Pursuit. Alita? It wasn't Alita. It might have been Escape Room. I think he was Escape Room. Oh, really? Oh, no, it's Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day to you. Oh, right. That was it. Yeah, it was that. And it kind of... I don't really care for it, to be honest, but... Look, are you watching the horrors? To be fair, to be fair it wasn't scary at all. Oh, really? Yeah, it was fine. Do you fine. see the first one? Yeah. Was it... Okay, do you want to... Should we just get into the reviews? Yeah, go on then. Well, do you want to talk about Happy Death Day to you? Maybe um, if you haven't already spoken about Escape Room, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you have you seen it? I seen the first one. I haven't seen the second one, but I pretty much I heard it's pretty much the same as the first. Yeah. Do you care if I like go into a little bit of detail? Not at all. Okay. Cool. So yeah, it's literally <laughs> it's pretty much the same as the first one, except they kind of like they kind of jump the shark a little bit. Only in the fact that, like, so, like, it's literally the same day, the same day, and, like, the same thing's happening. But at first, it's the day's repeating for um, the Asian guy. I can't remember his name, but, you know, the, the best the friend of the of the boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, it's happening to him. And it turns out he's, like, because you wouldn't have guessed it from the first film, but it turns out he's, like, some science, like, major, and he's, like, super, like, he's, like, a fucking genius. And, like, him and his mates are, like, working on some sort of 
I don't even know what it is. They call it a sissy or something like that. It's like a machine thing, which is what caused this, like, uh, time loop or whatever. Oh. So then he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like freaking out, sort of like, what's going on? And then when uh, Tree, I think is her name, when yeah. Tree sees him freaking out, she kind of like assumes, okay, same thing happened to him, it's happened to me. So she tries to help him solve it. And then, so then they chase down the, the killer, so the supposed killer, and it turns out to be the Asian guy, but from a different universe, I guess. Oh my God, right. So then he's like, he's like, um, kill the original one. So this, the, and then they like, nobody knows who to kill. And then uh, some sort of explosion happens because of the machine. And then Tree gets stuck back into um, the loop, the, uh, the death loop. But she's on a different uni- different universe, so like they talk about the multiverse and stuff like that. Now she's on a different universe, and in this in this universe, her mum's alive, so she's like, "Oh shit!" Like, I'm okay. I'm just gonna stay here. But on this universe, her mum's alive, but her boyfriend is going out with um, that girl that she hates from the first film. Okay. So then she's like, "Oh, I've got to choose between my mum and my boyfriend." And I was like, "Choose your fucking uh, mum." Yeah. Like, what is that even a debate? Yeah. <laughs> but she like. She does do that. She does choose. She chooses her mum, but then, um, the boyfriend's like, um, or not boyfriend, but the boyfriend, uh, he, she's like to him, yeah, because she she still cares about him, but this day's still playing out, and she's like, yeah, it's like stay put kind of thing, and, um, she goes off to be with her mum and her dad and do whatever, whatever, and then she finds out that the boy dies, um, trying to save uh people from this from this serial killer. So then she's like, oh, no, no, I have to go back and kill myself. So she like kills, she um, has to go to this um, Asian guy and his uh, group of friends because they're all like super smart. And they're like, OK, we have to find a figure out a way to get me back to my universe or whatever. And then because she keeps dying and then coming back, she has to keep explaining it to them. So like they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, we're, like, we're never going to be able to solve this because we keep trying and failing and then when you die and come back we have to try and fail again so she has to like memorize every scientific note or whatever whatever and she has to die like literally dozens of times and they just kind of show her getting creative i suppose with the way that she's dying there was one point where she gets into she somehow goes to some sort of skydiving uh thing and which is conveniently right above her campus and she just jumps out of a plane and she falls on the ground and dies right in front of her boyfriend and that girl uh, when they're like getting off and stuff. That's kind of funny, <laughs> I guess. She jumps into like a um, like a wood chipper. Oh, that was God. funny. And so yeah, she's doing all that stuff. And um, yeah, so so like eventually she kind of picks. She cho- I guess she chooses her boyfriend because she kind of gets to the point where she's like, oh, the the tree who's been living on this earth is in me, so she doesn't have some of the memories of her mum and stuff like that. So she's like, this isn't my life. I need to go back to my life, blah, 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 blah. So she gets really emotional, says goodbye to her mum, and then they have to go through some elaborate scheme to um, get the machine working, blah, blah, goes back to her earth, sorts that all out, cool, cool, cool. Um, they all get like a community service or something like that because they um, broke the law or something. And as they're doing community service, this is in the post credit scene now, as they're doing community service, um, some like government agency comes, comes up and then they're like... <laughs> Oh yeah, to the Asian guy. Yeah, we, we borrowed your machine and now we're trying to figure out how to make it work. Da, da, da. But now we need someone to test it on. And then um, uh, Tree is like, oh, I know exactly who you should test it on. And then it goes to, it, um, 
shows her friend who's who's not her friend uh, like screaming waking up from a dream or something like that and then yeah then the film ends so do you think there'll be a third one probably I mean I hope there's not I really hope there's not it just sounds like you know the first one was like a a a concept we'd seen before but done slightly differently and this one seems to have just like taken it to a completely different level like it sounds like it's less kind of of the horror more of the comedy more of like sci-fi like did it make any sense did make sense yeah but it just got to the point where i was like i was kind of like wow they're really going for this like (laughs) i don't really see the point because i I don't want to i don't think this film needed a sequel but i wouldn't have mind if you've done a sequel but it kind of it's it's that classic thing where you do a sequel you take all the stuff from the first film you think okay everybody like this so let's time this by by 12 and then add a few more bits and then everyone will love this film and you know, it didn't really work for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a bad film, but the first one is way better. Yeah, and I didn't really think the first one was like amazing. Like it was no. fine. It was just yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I won't be rushing out to see that one. Yeah, then. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. What else is uh? What have you seen recently that you haven't discussed? Um. So I saw Escape Room. Did you see Escape Room? No, but I've, there's one on Netflix, which I think Chris and I have both seen. Right. And it was all right. Um, Is that but, a horror? Yes. Okay. But it's this not, one... Yeah, it's oh, not the on. same one. It's not the same one that's in cinemas. Yeah. So this one, I would say, isn't a horror. I don't think. It's not even really a... Th- I'm sure it's kind of a thriller, I guess. But I wasn't scared. So that makes you tell you that it's not... Uh, that it's like really mild. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> But, like, I love the way the film... So, the film starts, and you've got this guy, and he's, like... the Basically, the film starts at the end, and then there's this guy panicking, trying to work his way out of this room, and he's, like, um, trying to solve the puzzles, and he ends up, like, um, getting crushed, and the film goes to the beginning. Um, So, I really enjoyed that, because, obviously, like, I didn't really expect it, so it got you kind of, like, excited straight from the start. But it's basically... I think six strangers um, all get invited to buy uh, like their relatives or friends. They all get invited to do an escape room, and the winner of the escape, the person who uh, wins the escape room, gets ten thousand uh, dollars. So like, oh yeah, oh cool. And then um, basically they get into like the waiting room, and um, they're all kind of like sitting there, just thinking like, well, what do we do? And then there's one guy who's like really excited about because he like loves escape rooms, and then they kind of realise that this is the, like, the first room sort of thing. And um, they kind of use each room or, um, to... Uh, what's the word? To manipulate, I guess, manipulate the fear of a particular particular person okay. in that room. So the first room, um, the room was getting really, like, super hot. Like, there was... Um, it was, like, 300 degrees or something stupid like that. But it was getting ridiculously hot. And that was to manipulate um, one of the women who plays Karen in Daredevil. Um, and she was in she was in the army and she was like um, almost burned alive, basically. So like that was her fear. And they were like, uh, there's like a few of them. And they basically spend the, the first three quarters of the film going through these rooms, which I thought was really, really good and really interesting and really quite creative like, with the different rooms and stuff. Yeah, and like the way they had to get out of the rooms, so I won't like go into too much detail because it's kind of long. But like that first, yeah, so that first room was um, 
uh, like they, it, it was like super hot, so they were all gonna like burn to death. The second room was a lot simpler actually, but it was to um, one of the clues was to do with um, uh, the character um, who make actually makes it to the end, and he um, was drunk drink driving uh, during Christmas time, and he accidentally killed his friends. Um, and the, the answer to the riddle or whatever to get out of the room was Rudolph, so that was his like how, getting him back to that state of mind sort of thing. Okay. So then he he was a bit fucked up from that. In the next room, um, the kid who loves um, escape rooms and he thinks that, like at this point they're all kind of like not really sure if this is a game, but like we're not really enjoying it. We kind of all want to leave sort of thing. Uh, but then one of the kids who's like, oh yeah, this is all so sick, like the, all these um, special effects, da 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 da. He dies. And then they're oh. like, oh shit, <laughs> this is actually real. He, the kid, um, he falls through some ice and he, and he drowns, or freeze, freezes slash drowns, I guess. Okay. And, that bit's uh, in the yeah. trailer, I think. I think, yeah, it is in the trailer, yeah. So yeah, they're, now they're, they realise, oh, like, oh shit, this is real. And basically, every room is like designed to kill them, pretty much, if they don't, if they, if they don't get out, if they don't escape. Um, and then one of the rooms um, in particular it's kind of like an upside down room so like you, everything's filmed I'm, well I'm sure everything's filmed right side up but then they've literally stripped the camera so it looks like everything's upside down it's kind okay. of cool I think um, but yeah so they go through that room a few people die on the way and then <laughs> <laughs> it gets to like um, the second to last no the, sorry the third to last room and like the main girl who's like really smart she's kind of like realizes that people are watching them so she says like we have to beat them at their own game she starts smashing up the cameras um in the rooms and stuff whilst people are trying to escape and there's like this poisonous gas or whatever and she's like now we have to smash up the cameras fuck the gas da, da, da. So she's like smashing up cameras and that while the other two geezers escape and then um she gets gassed out and she dies inverted commas and I mean, then commas eh? commas yeah the last two geezers they they the last room this is where so the last room, this is a, probably about the last 20 minutes of the film, is where it started to go downhill for me. Because up to that point, I was really enjoying it. Um, like all the different rooms and how they uh, creative they were, getting out of the rooms and stuff like that. Up until the last room, where they tried to do some kind of like hippie, hippy-dippy, psychedelic thing. And like people's faces were like <laughs> ballooning and shit. Like they were like, um, it's, like done, it's like they'd done like mushrooms or something like that. So they were kind of like, fuck, like they're their minds were kind of like um, spacing out sort of thing. Okay. And um, yeah, that room was kind of, that one was kind of rubbish. And then um, the one guy who was at the right at the start of the film, he escapes. And then you go literally right back to the start of the film and he, esca- he escapes from that room. He finds, a, um, he finds his way out eventually and finds this guy. And this guy's like, yeah, you've won. Uh, well done, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, okay, so I've won 10 grand. Cool. And then this guy who can, apparently controls the rooms turns around and tries to kill him and he's about to die. And then that one girl who we thought had died, obviously we knew she hadn't died. She comes back uh, and kills uh, that guy who was trying to murder the guy who won. And then they find out this is all like some sort of elaborate scheme by I think rich people who are basically just trying to do this for kicks and they're trying, they just um, basically hack into people's phones and stuff and um, send them messages and get them invitations to this escape room so they think it's sent by someone they know and love and whatever um, but in, real, in reality they're just um, playing a game for rich people to watch basically for their own entertainment and um, 
she trusts this girl, she trusts her police bat, but they don't believe her because um, they managed to hide it really well and they torn down the building and they managed to get everything out of there, whatever, whatever. And skips to, this is like right at the end now, skips to like a few months later and she's like, yeah, I want to try and find, get to the bottom of this basically and try and find out, find out who people are and expose them, blah, 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 blah. And she's like to the other guy, yeah, I bought you a plane ticket, you come with me? The guy's like, yeah. And then I think the film ends and then there's a post credit scene um, of a plane uh, about to crash and there's people who are like screaming and going ah and like you know doing the whole uh, you know the plane's gonna go down we're all gonna die blah 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 then you find out that that's just like a simulation and the people who are who are behind this game are basically getting ready to um, sabotage these two people these this boy and this girl's plane to try and uh, see if they survive basically and oh. The connecting factor between all the people um, in uh, who were in the escape rooms in during the film is that they were all like lone survivors basically, and the um, when the odds were against them. So the uh, that guy who drink driving obviously with his friends he killed all his friends and he was the only one left alive. The other girl was in a pl- the other girl who made the end she was in a plane crash. Her parents died. Everyone died apart from her. Um, the woman who's in the army, everyone in her squad died apart from her. Um, there was another guy who um, got stranded on like an island with his friend and he killed his friend so he could um, take the jacket and, you know, keep warm and to survive and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was like the connecting factor to get all of them, you know, in the same in the same place to see if who would beat the odds again, basically. Oh, OK. Yeah. So Far it was. The yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like it, is, it was good. It was really good, I thought. Up until the last fifteen minutes, I thought I felt they kind of over elaborated with like the okay, we need to keep, keep kind of keep this going sort of thing. Yeah. There was a bit where she's trying to explain to the police what happened, and they're just kind of like, um, "Oh, there's no proof of this, basically." And she thinks like they think she's kind of like gone a bit mad, and she's like, "I'm not crazy." Da, 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 da. And I think if they ended it there, then I think it would have been good. But they just kind of kept going for like another five to ten minutes. And I was like, "Ah." Oh. You know, you're kind of ruining it. Like, I was here, I was up, I'm high now, I'm kind of, like, mid. But, yeah, yeah. it's a good film, though. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds quite similar to the the one that's on Netflix. Um, okay. Well, fairly similar. I mean, I think, you know, an escape room's quite a good format for a kind of horror thriller film because there's so yeah. much you can scope to do with it. Um, but you said right at the beginning, doesn't a guy get crushed to death? No, he gets crushed. You don't see him die. Oh, getting, okay. In the process of getting crushed, and then he's screaming, and then the film goes to the beginning. Right, okay. Because I was thinking, like, have they not just, you know, retconned the the beginning of the film then? Okay, so it, do, it does make sense continuity wise. Yeah, it does, yeah. But like, I've, I've got, like, obviously, I've not seen it, but I've got kind of like a sore vibe from it, and it's kind of like a Final Destination y vibe sort of thing. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, sound... I, thought was, I think it's quite good. Okay, I might check that one out. I'm sure it'll be on Netflix again. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or something soon. Um, they might even make a sequel to it. You never know. If it, yeah, if it... uh, to me, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But the way the film ended, I wouldn't be surprised. These films don't tend to cost that much, and if no. they make over a certain threshold, and they're pretty much guaranteed to to make a you know a sequel. Um, talking of sequels, I saw the Lego Movie Two. Um... Oh, <laughs> it's actually it's all right. Do you know what I mean? Like. Have you seen the first one? No. <laughs> oh, you haven't? No. I've seen oh. Lego Batman, that's it. 
Oh, okay. So the first one um, is about you know this. It's like a a brick village, uh, you know, brick kind of world, and um, you've got uh, a, a guy voiced by um, Chris Pratt. Uh, he's the main guy. Um, I'm gonna Google their names because I've forgotten. Um, so you got Chris Pratt playing Emmett, and then um, he's in love with this girl called Wildstyle, and then there's Lego Batman and all these things, like just little like colourful characters, all like mm. got squeaky voices and everything's happy. Um, but basically, you find out throughout the first film that the Lego world is is the um, in the imagination of um, Will Ferrell. So he plays this dad. And down in his basement, he's got this huge Lego world um, that he spent, you know, years and perfecting. And he What's plays human. In- yeah. Oh. So he plays with them, and and this is how the the, the world is built and stuff. Um, but then there's the threat from his kids because his kids want to come down and play with it, um, and they end up like you know breaking things and stuff like that. So so that's kind of the gist of the first film. Um, and then so at the end of the first film, the kids come down and they're allowed to play with it um and then the start of the second film you've got the fact that so there's a son who's older maybe like 12 or 13 and he's got a younger sister who's like four or five um so the boy's playing and then his sister comes and it's like yeah i want to play with her duplo and it's just like and then, and then the world turns into apocalypse world because all the lego has been destroyed by the sister so and then uh wild style gets captured and um emmett has to kind of prove himself to to be worthy of saving her so it simultaneously plays out in quote unquote the real world of like the brother and sister but also you see what their imagination and, and how the the lego characters who it's never really clear whether they are like real or you know um cogniz- cognizant or, or or not um so it's, it, i mean explaining the plot's kind of pointless because it's just it's just entertaining it's just like colorful and there's like funny pop culture references and you know it's, there's just so much going on all the time it's like an assault on all of your senses which is like typical of a children's film really but it is entertaining, like it's funny and there's jokes that kind of I got that younger children wouldn't. So like there's there's a part where um, right at the beginning, so they say, oh, um, where did you go, Batman? And he was like, oh, I was on my own solo adventure because um, he obviously had his own solo film. And then um, then they needed to help saving the world. So they try and phone like Superman and all the Justice League and they're like, oh, no, no, they're they're busy already um so the only one that they can have is like the the original style aquaman you know the one that actually looks like oh, a yeah. fish yeah. um they're like oh yeah you know because you're, you're you're the one who's not wanted and there's a cooler version of you now um and then they're like yeah we tried to ring marvel but they're not returning our calls um so it's quite you know there's, there's quite a few references like that and it's quite funny um but yeah you know it, try not to think too deeply about these sorts of films because yeah, <laughs> they, they're just quite superficial there's there's quite a lot of um 
you know the songs in them are quite catchy as well so there's from the first one is everything is awesome um and then the second one there's one about end credits and how like yeah the end credits are so awesome and you know look at this guy he does this random job and you know they're, they're very it's run it's done by the lonely island the music so oh, okay, yeah. they're very kind of um quippy they're very like you know there's lots of good kind of on point humor observational humor and stuff about it um which again what is more catered to the adults um but yeah i mean it passes the time it's entertaining enough it it does kind of push the story a bit on from the first one so it doesn't just kind of rehash everything um and they made a point in this film where like one of the characters says to Wildstyle, oh so you're like the you know the one that's good at fighting and you know the one who's got all the brains and stuff and she's like yeah, yeah. And she's like oh so you're the leader then she goes no 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 Emmett's the leader I go why why have they made the guy who's not as good at you at anything the leader just because he's male and so there's you know kind of some uh again kind of socio-political kind of commentary there which is yeah. uh yeah i appreciated um not really sure why i went to see it maybe i uh <laughs> i don't know but um yeah i, I, I don't when a child told you to see it i was literally the only person in the cinema oh really there was no one else there <laughs> made me feel less weird because you know when you see like a children's film and like you're the only one there without like a child yeah and it's a bit like mm. but yeah so i was the only one sat in the oh, premier yeah. seats <laughs> um <laughs> Not that they make any difference to the comfort levels, in my opinion. No. Um, but yeah, so that that's the Lego Movie Two. I'm sure there will be a third one, or at least a spin-off. You know, they could just keep creating these Lego things, um, movies all the time, like different scenarios, characters. I did think though in this film, like Batman was a real main focus, um, probably to the detriment of some of the other characters. Mm. Um, and I think that's because, you know, he, he's, he was had his own film and, and like Batman and DC as a whole are quite popular at the moment. So I think they pushed it too much. Um, okay. And it, it kind of felt like a Lego sequel, half of a sequel of that and half of a sequel of the Lego movie. So they could have reduced his, his uh, screen time a bit. Fair enough. Yeah. I was going to say, um, speaking of Batman... Did uh we talk about um, Ben Affleck not being Batman anymore? Oh no, I don't think we have. So you okay. care? <laughs> not really. Like people are, oh yeah, he's the best Batman ever. Like he just didn't have the right film or the right script. I'm like really? <laughs> where where are you getting this from? That's like, awesome. some some I saw someone say, oh yeah, he only had um two films and one great cameo in Suicide Squad. I was like, how on earth can you? say that his cameo in Suicide Squad was great. Like, he was on screen for about three seconds and he just looked moody as fuck, which is pretty much what he looked like for the first, you know, in uh, Batman vs Superman and Justice League. So, mm. I don't know, what what do you rate, you know, where do you rate Ben Affleck as Batman? Um, I think he's fine. Like, I wouldn't say he'd be bad or anything, but I would agree that it would have been nice if he got a film of his own to kind of like, I don't know, flesh himself out in the role, if that makes sense. Yeah. But 
you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's like the best Batman ever. So, you know, but then I don't think me, per- me personally, I don't think he's that great. I don't think uh, Christian Bell was particularly like amazing. I don't think that what's the other Batman film I've seen? Uh, what's his face? Michael uh, Keaton. That's the one. I don't think he was very good either. So like, there's no, there's no like, so like you know with the Joker, like you can compare Joe Leto to Heath Ledger sort of thing, and you're like, yeah. okay. Heath Ledger is like the, the 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 bar, kind of thing. Yeah. Like for me, for Batman, there's no bar. Like because no one's for the for the films I've seen, nobody's put in any standout performance. So. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I don't. I haven't seen a stellar Batman yet, personally. Like acting wise, film wise, fair enough, but acting wise. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I'm. I think I think there is a. A championing of, the Christian Bale films because of the dark knight and yeah. arguably the dark knight is as revered as it is because of heath ledger's passing so there is kind of always a, a bias towards that and i don't think i've ever watched those films and kind of analyzed christian burst performance that much so yeah i would probably tend to agree with you that there's not been like a standout batman um but then maybe is Batman kind of a role that's tough to really make exceptional because he is just like this kind of, you know, moody, vigilante billionaire. Yeah. So, you know, whereas the Joker, like you can really make it your own in terms of like how crazy you want to make him, how, you know, that I think there's more range there. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who Matt Reeves casts as his younger Batman in the solo film. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be someone who I've like never seen before. They probably need that though. Mm. You probably need someone that you don't know, you don't have any expectations of and they can make it their own. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we just need a, a break from these sorts of, you know, that character for a bit because we've pretty much had a Batman every year for, well, not every year, every few years for quite a while now. Yeah. It's going to be mm. weird like if they ever do do another Justice League film, that like you're not going to see Ben Affleck, and you're probably going to see Henry Cavill either. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah, and I I can't imagine they're going to keep Cyborg in it, considering they've scrapped his solo film. True. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they'll probably push him into Titans or something. Yeah, all bit a all bit a mess. But oh well. What else have you seen recently? You've probably seen a lot more than I have. Um. I- I so I watched. I've got to talk about this actually. I watched if Bill Street could talk. Um, oh, I about, saw that as well. Did you? Yeah, we can yeah. chat about it. Cool. What did you think? Um, I liked it, but me and Barry Jenkins need to have words about these endings because not a fan, mate. Not a fan. Oh, really? The endings they need to be. I need happier endings, please, <laughs> Mr. Jenkins. <laughs> Do you not? So, so let's talk about the film, like the synopsis, and then we can talk about the ending. So, If Bill Street Could Talk is adapted from a book, which was written in the 50s, I believe. And it's about... So, if Bill Street, it says at the beginning, is like a a synonym or, a, you know, a microcosm of American black culture. It's like everyone grew up on Bill Street. You know, it's it's the Louisiana kind of streets of jazz. It's It's part of Harlem it's you know so it's like a 
a street that every kind of African-American will recognize? Is, is that sort I, of the gist of it? Uh, yeah, I agree. I was going to say, though, I do kind of wish that one of the streets that in the film would have been actually called Bill Street. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I thought that as well. <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, so did the incident happen on Bill Street or what? Like, I, I was kind of like, I'm waiting for somebody for somewhere to be called Bill Street in the film. So I was like, okay, I guess, guess not then. <laughs> so it's about um, a young kind of couple in love, um, Alonzo and, um, uh, oh, what's the girl called? What is her name? I can't remember. Ah, uh, right. Quick Google again. Tish, Tish and Fonny. So Alonzo Fonny. Um, so they're like from different kind of classes. So Fonny's like a more upper middle class, and Tish is not like necessarily working class, but just like a different social status. Um. They ha- they're like in love and they have a relationship um, and Tish gets pregnant, but quite soon after, Fonny gets sent to prison for raping uh, a Puerto Rican woman, um, but he proclaims his innocence and, and then the film sort of flashes between them kind of becoming a couple and then them in the kind of quote-unquote present day trying to, trying to get Fonny out of prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ends with Fonny remaining in jail, even though the film presents Fonny as being innocent. So there's like an unjust, you know, an injustice there. He takes a plea deal, I think, in the end, doesn't he, or something? Oh, yeah, because it's sort of like they're going to, you know, they're going to um, find him guilty either way. So he might as well yeah. do a short amount of time as possible. And then you see Tish bring her, their child into, into the prison. Yeah. Which sort of ends there, so it is a bit of a bleak ending. <laughs> yeah, because doesn't Moonlight end with um, Sharon not really having anyone to love? Yeah, I think he, he's with Kevin, but there's no like closure. He just, yeah. they're, just they're just with each other, and then like they don't like kiss, and they don't you know they don't do anything. The film just kind of ends, and you're like, oh. All right. Is he is he happy in the end or what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt this time. I was like, oh shit! Like the way the film was going, I'm gonna, I suppose I kind of I kind of expect it, but then because I know the film, um, so the book's um, written by James Baldwin, and like I've watched one of his documentaries before, um, I'm not a Negro, and like from that same style and from the, his style of writing, I can kind of understand why the film ended the way it did. Is it to highlight the injustice? Because if he kind of gets let out of prison and it's all happy, then it's kind of like, oh yeah, well these things happen to black people, but in the end they get resolved. Whereas this is sort of like, you know, whereas Moonlight's like, yeah, you know, there's a like a black gay guy and has he found happiness? And this one, it's like, you know, he got put in prison for something he didn't do and the system is that bad that, He's now in prison for something he didn't do and he's missed out on the development of his child. So I think it, it, there is like a, a political kind of stance there. Yeah. But what does did you... that did that kind of take away from your enjoyment of the film? No, not really. Um, again, it's another film that like 
I was just enjoying like the story, the narration, all of that. And at the end put it maybe like a little little blight on it, but not enough for me to like not like the film. So okay. I still, I still think it was pretty good, I would say. I quite enjoyed it. What was your know. what were the main kind of points of it that, that you know made it so enjoyable for you? Um, I liked the the narration from Tish because I feel like those are well, I'm assuming that those are just paragraphs that are literally she's taken they've taken straight out of the book, I would imagine, because they do okay. sound very James Baldwin like like I can imagine it in his his exact voice. Uh, so yeah, I like that. I liked um I liked their relationship basically and how that you could see their love like continually growing, like the bit where um they're searching for uh, their own their own apartment and he's like imagining carrying the fridge like that whole bit was thought was really good. Yeah. Uh, with Dave Franco, which I was like, okay. I know. <laughs> Dave Franco's in this, all right then, cool. There's a couple of random cameos. Like, um, Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones is in it. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Diego Diego Luna, he was from um, Red, uh, Rogue One. Mm. He plays the, the waiter that they speak Spanish to. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I also thought, oh, you know, um, so Brian T, I think his name is Brian T. Henry, I think his name. Yeah. Or, yeah. His little... Um, his mo his scene basically I thought was great when he's just like describing like prison and stuff and mm -hmm. his life all that and like all of that and like how he got arrested for stealing the car and he doesn't have to drive and stuff like that. Well, I thought I thought that was great and I'm still waiting for him to get like a big role because I feel like he's a really good actor from what I've yeah. seen in films. What I've seen in him in Atlanta as well. I feel like he needs like a like a standout role at some point or at least yeah. a standout supporting role, you know. I definitely think he could win an Oscar yeah. with like his his acting ability. I thought that scene. I thought that was when when um, Bonnie was going to get arrested because I don't think you ever actually see that happen, do you? No, you don't. You don't. You see. You see. I think you see the policeman who arrested him, and you see yeah. like, their confrontation. And yeah, so I thought we were going to see that scene happen a little bit later, but yeah, you never you never see it because part of me was thinking if we're not seeing it. How do we know that it's actually true mm. that he didn't do it? Because I, at one point, got the impression that Tish was covering for him. Because she was mm. like, oh, no, no, we were with, you know, this other guy in, in the flat. And I don't know. I wasn't sure that she came across convincing enough. But I don't know if that's me just reading too much into it. But obviously, by the end of the film, you realise that he hasn't actually done it. Um, yeah. And this Puerto Rican woman just picked out whoever the policeman told her to. Um, I I thought the film was good. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as Moonlight. Um, no, I feel like Moonlight was a bit kind of snappier. Not that Moonlight's like a fast-paced film, but I think because you had the three different life stages, like mm. you kind of knew where you were at with the film. Whereas with this, I was sort of like, I, was, I actually was sort of clock-watching a bit. I was like, oh, okay, how long have we got left of this film? You know, yeah. it just sort of, dragged and it was slow paced but the acting was good the, the storyline was engaging obviously the subject matter's important but as i think for me it was just a, that little bit kind of slower than moonlight it kind of felt like it kind of it, it sort of felt like a film that like we weren't really uh driving somewhere if that makes sense so like the film like things were kind of just happening and I kind of was thinking, okay, we're kind of we're we're trying to normally with films, we're trying to get to point, you know, point A, 
or point B or whatever. But yeah. I kind of, throughout this, and we weren't really getting getting anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I also think I would have quite liked to see more of the family dynamic. You know, because when they have that fat, when they have Fonny's family over, I love that scene. I thought that was a good scene, but then you don't really see the mother or the sisters again. Like you see the dad a bit, but yeah, the two dads are like plotting to steal shit, and like you don't really see, you see like one little scene of that. You don't see anything else. You don't see anything else about that. But... Yeah, I was just a bit like, okay, you know, there, there was a bit more that I wanted to see there. Um... Also, the bit where um, Fonny's dad like he did he slap or punch his mum. That scared yeah. the crap out of me. I really... <laughs> <laughs> didn't see it coming at all. It scared the shit out of me. But, Do yeah. you think, um, so obviously Regina King is nominated for Best Supporting Actress for her role as Tisha's mother. Do you think that that, so how, now you've seen the film, do you think it's warranted? Not even a little bit. No, I don't either, to be honest. Not even a little bit. I don't know what, I, honestly, I, I genuinely come out of the film thinking like, why the hell was she nominated for that? Her? And what's his face from Vice? Sam Rockwell? That's two absolutely fast score nominations. I don't understand it. I really don't understand why. Genuinely. It's not that she was bad. But she did absolutely nothing for me to stand out as, yeah, she deserves an all-all for this. No, I thought Tish's performance was better. Yeah, I agree. Way better. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she wasn't in it for that long. Um, no. Not that, not that that, you know, means that you can't be nominated. But I've she had like watched... one or maybe two meaningful scenes, I would say. Exactly. I don't feel like there was like a real, like, explosive kind of performance or, or scene. Um Apart from maybe when she confronts the Puerto Rican woman, but again, I was like, "Nah, I wasn't feeling it." Yeah. It's the same with um, I saw Roma, um, oh, okay. and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "It's such a wards bait." It's literally like, <laughs> "Is oh, it worth Not in my opinion, but no. then again, I'm not like, you know, I'm not a nuanced kind of. I don't have a nuanced palette. I'm not, you know, it was, it's just following the lives of just some Mexicans and the family, like a, the kind of the, I don't know how to put this delicately, the more, oh, I don't know how to say if it's sounding harsh, the more indigenous looking people are like the servants okay. and then the more Western Latina people are like the the um the wealthy ones and, and like this this woman is is the servant um and it follows her and um you know her role within that family and um like the the husband of of the Latina woman the matriarch um he cheats on her and leaves the family and so the the servant goes from sort of the, the matriarch sort of looking down on her to sort of relying on her um, and at the same point, the the servant um, get. I think her name's Cleo. She gets pregnant, but then doesn't want the baby. But then the baby is still born. Um, Yalitza Aparicio's performance of Cleo, like for me, there was there was nothing remarkable about it. Mm. Um, it was just it was it was good, and she's a first time actress, so you know, props to her. But Again, I don't know if maybe I'm just expecting in each kind of Oscar-winning performance or Oscar-nominated performance there to be something like that really stands out. Like that's what I expect. Either yeah. I don't think you know, to expect that. of like a really powerful 
scene or two or just like a good transformation or real kind of point where you can't separate the actor from the the character um but yeah i don't know i think again you know maybe she does deserve it but for me i was just like yeah i don't know the film it's very it is oscar bait it's very kind of artistic and you know it's black and white it's it's about kind of a population of people that we don't really see before that haven't really seen before or not in the mainstream anyway so you know there's value to the film but for me I, I wasn't like oh my god like best film ever what did you think about it in comparison to the other films that were nominated for best picture so other nominees um let's get, let's get them up i can't even remember which ones are up um the best picture is black panther black clansman bohemian rhapsody the favorite green book roma a star is born and vice i've been lucky enough to see all of them apart from green book um i don't know i would say like black clansman uh you know it's that had like some really good performances and that's saying something like really kind of important about you know it's got a real strong political message um bohemian rhapsody no fucking clue why that's on there um <laughs> the favorite again it's just weird like it's got some good acting performances um so i can see why it's there um you've you really liked green book um i love the star is born um yeah. and i've seen it twice yeah. now so uh, I would say, in comparison to them, like I don't know, maybe it's up there because it is it is like artist, you know, it's work of art in terms of like, you know, there's obviously a lot of precision in the way that the directors framed everything and the choice of black and white, and you know, showing this kind of population of people that we haven't really seen before, and it's a real passion project for him. It's semi like semi autobiographical, so I can see it, but. It's also up for best foreign film, so I kind of feel like does it need to be in both? Um, is it um is it not English? No, it's it's in Spanish. Um, or well, I think a dialect of Mexico. Mm. Um, but I mean, for me, I, I'm very biased. But for me, A Star Is Born would win that category. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe Alfonso Cuarón could win best director or something, but. I don't know if it's a best picture worthy film. Um, and certainly I think it will win best foreign language film, but whether it should win best picture, I don't know. Um, what do you think of Vice then, by the way? I, I enjoyed it. I didn't like it as much as um, The Big Short. Mm. Uh, I watched Big Short, by the way. What did you think? I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was, it was decent. I thought, to be honest, even though they were kind of like explaining everything in like or trying to in like layman's terms and obviously they were like kind of getting famous people to explain it just so you pay attention yeah. i still was quite confused by the end yeah about like, just about like the te- all the technical terms yeah i i think i'm the same i think i was like oh um i think i got it at the time but then like very quickly sort of yeah. was like actually i have no idea i couldn't read i couldn't explain it to anybody else um quite but vice no, but I thought Vice was, was good. It was entertaining enough. Like, you know, there's certain... It's very kind of... Again, it's got very political overtones. 
Um, and it's obvious that Adam McKay's kind of anti-Cheney. Yeah. Um, and there are points of it where you're like, oh my God, how has this actually got through? Like when he does that unitary executive order or whatever it's called. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, you know, this is no wonder that country's where it is now. Um, but I don't know, there's just something, maybe it's because they don't know that much about him, but there was certain points when I was like, there was just something missing. It just felt like it was lacking. Uh, I think it was like sometimes lacking motivation. Yeah, for like why, why it's carrying on, like why are we yeah. still watching this film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I think, but performance is good. But again, I think we said this before. I don't think it's a stellar year for for Oscars. No, it's not. Um, but I think they're on tonight, aren't they? Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to ask you, but um, yeah, I think they are. Someone said earlier. Okay, let's do some hot takes. So, best picture. Uh, I'm going to say I want A Star is Born to win, but I think the favourite will win. I'm going to say Black Panther, you know. Go on. You got to. I, yeah. I reckon Black Panther's going to win. All right. All right. <laughs> um, best director, I am going to say Afonso Cuaron. Not because I think he should win it, but I think they're just going to go for him. Over Yorgos Lanthimos, Adam McKay, Pavel Pavlovsky, or Spike Lee? Or do you reckon they'll give it to Spike Lee because he's been nominated before and hasn't won? Maybe. Yeah, I reckon that's definitely a possibility. Mm, yeah, I think it's between him and uh, the guy who did Roma. Do you think the best director should also win Best Picture and vice versa? I mean, it's kind of hard to give one out and then not give out the other. Like, it, 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 like, it they both lend to each other, I guess. But I, th- I feel like... Oh, yeah. I feel like, yeah, you can't really have... I feel like you can kind of have a best picture and not have a best director. But I feel like kind of if you have best director, you kind of should win best picture. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just tough there. Yeah. I feel like they, they kind of should be interlinked, but then I suppose you'll kind of defeat the purpose of uh, the nomination. If, one, if you win one automatically win the other one I think Christian Bale will win best actor I will say he's definitely a dark horse he's definitely a dark horse I wouldn't be surprised but who else is nominated for that Viggo Mortensen for he was good. Green Book Rami Malek I think he got I think he got a good shout I thought he was really good yeah yeah maybe it's just because I didn't really like the film yeah I um, didn't like the film <laughs> Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate which no one's seen I haven't seen um, Bradley Cooper for a Star is Born. Like, he should. Woo! Go Bradley. He should, he should, like, Star is Born should win everything, but, you know. uh, Best Actress is Yalitza Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Close for The Wife, Olivia Coleman for The Favourite, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? I, th- <laughs> I think they might give it to Olivia Coleman. Mm, I would probably agree. But I think Lady Gaga should win. I agree, also. <laughs> Um, I don't know about you. Do you want to carry on going through them, or, or do you want to just carry up, like review some more films? Because no. we're gonna, we might as well talk about it next week when all the winners are announced. Action. Cool. Um, what else have you seen recently? I saw um, Alita: Battle Angel. Oh yeah, I have booked to see that twice and not bothered going <laughs> twice. <laughs> 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 I've always just sort of been like, oh no, I'll just see something else. Or do something else. Oh, what? So you. 
So you booked it and then gone to see another film? Yeah. <laughs> or, ju- or just not bothered going at all. That is so funny. So like, I booked to see it this morning and then I was like, oh, it's sunny, I'll go to a beer garden instead. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, how is it? It's it's fine. It's it's the sort of film where the visuals are great, I'm not going to lie, but then that's what I've come to expect of like James Cameron. Yeah. Um, the story is kind of kind of interesting, but like it, it the way the film plays out, you're I'm expecting if they do make a second film, I'm expecting the second film to be better than this because I felt like this was just kind of a setup for the second film. Okay. Because I think they said they want to do three films or something like that. So. Oh mate, just do it yeah. one at a time. I know. But um, yeah, it, it's okay. It's not a film that I would probably, I'll probably never watch it ever again. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's all right. The I can't, I find it kind of funny, like watching. So I watched the Green Book, obviously, with Mahershala Ali, and then he's in, he's in Alita as well. I'm kind of like, ah, you should have just stuck with Green Book <laughs> and not done this one. But, yeah, yeah, I feel like actors do one for like the awards and then one for the money. Yeah, true, true, true. You know, yeah, it's, it's one for it's one for the money and the free ride. Yeah. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. I, I, I don't know, I don't know if I should bother going to be honest, the film is basically it's a um a robot or a cyborg, I guess, who uh, some doctor who specializes in fixing robots um brings her back to life, I guess. And then she kind of like has to figure out how to, who she used to be because the only thing they said was their brain or something, and she's trying to figure out how to like you know like walk and eat and stuff like that. And then there's this like there's the it's based on a manga as well by the way. And there's okay. these like um uh they like kind of live on like, the surface level, and then up above there's like loads of like important people I guess. And the the main evil guy who we're supposed to I think be afraid of is. He, we don't really see him until like the last scene of the film, but he lives, he's like the emperor of this whole universe or whatever. And then, yeah, this girl, she kind of um, becomes a like, she realizes that she used to be like a um, soldier in an army, I think, against this evil guy. So she now she wants to kind of like get back into that, you know, that mode and fight him, I guess. And then she falls in love with some boy, and then that boy dies. Spoiler. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's fine. Like, it's not a bad film. It's not a good, not particularly good film either. Kind of like how when I was watching Bumblebee, you know, it's like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's that's the that's the kind of that's the gist I got from the trailers. Like, this is just going to be a very run of the mill film. Yeah. Um, just very ordinary. Um, I've seen a lot of six out of ten this year, I would say so far. Yeah. Bit style over substance. I mean, yeah, but like, I um, there's just been a lot of substance. <laughs> There's not been, I feel like so far this year, I've seen pretty much majority of the films, well, apart from like, I didn't see The Mule, which I was annoyed at. I didn't see Destroyer either, which I really wanted to watch. Yeah, I wanted but to watch from, Destroyer. Say again? I wanted to watch Destroyer, but it was only in the cinema for like four days. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the films I have seen, I mean, I've seen a few pretty good ones, I would say, but yeah, I've seen more, definitely majority six out of tens. Few couple sevens and maybe like one or two eights, maybe. I've seen like thirteen films already this year. Good effort, mate. Good effort. Um okay, well, to be honest, I will probably only ever watch this film if someone gifts it to me on DVD or if it ends up on Netflix. Yeah, so, that's like a it's like an airplane film. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Although, do you want to watch a film with that many special effects on a plane? Yeah, true. True. Maybe I'll just never watch it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I saw... What did I see? I've seen a few things recently, but I can never fucking remember them. I saw On the Basis of Sex yesterday. Isn't uh, that good? Because I feel like it looked really boring, but tell me otherwise. So, On the Basis of Sex is a biographical film about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Have you ever heard of her? Yeah, she's in a Supreme Court justice, I think, isn't she? Yes. So, she, um, yeah, so she's like a really top lawyer. Uh, and this basically charts her life from um, when she starts Harvard Law School. So, okay. it's in the 50s, 1956, I think. And they make a point... Um, one of the dean, he says, oh, you know, this is the sixth year that women have been allowed into Harvard Law School. Um, and it's very much about, like, sexism. And he's like, you know, so why have you chosen to be here at the expense of a man? You know, like, a man is more deserving of your place. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and this, at this point, like, she, she's a wife. She's a mother. Um, and her husband is in the year above her at, at law school. Um he he also in kind of in real life is a, a really famous uh, tax lawyer, Martin, Martin Ginsburg. So yeah, it charts her from like the adversity she faces. Um, you know, a lot of sexism, a lot of like, why are you here? Shouldn't you just be looking after your child? Um, and she very much specialises in kind of gender discrimination law, um, and she's very kind of vocal about the discrimination that she and many other women face um and you know she's very smart and it's always like she knows the answer to everything um and so it kind of progresses at different points throughout her life but basically she graduates top of her class from harvard um but she can't get a job in a law firm because they're all like oh you know we hired a, a woman last year or <laughs> you know oh but our wives would get jealous or you know there's just all these like bullshit excuses yeah and so she ends up taking a job as a professor so she as of law so she she can still represent people um in the court of law but she doesn't practice in the same sense so she just teaches like new generation and um you know you see her in her teachings again focusing on like gender discrimination um and this is now in the 70s so there's like her daughter's like 16 and she's very political as well she goes on protests and she's like mum you know people can't wolf whistle at us anymore and blah 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 so her daughter's kind of like the next generation and that sort of inspires her to to take this case um of discrimination against a man where this guy called christopher moritz was unable to get um his mother's carer's salary deducted on his taxes because because he's a man and the law assumed that the caregiver is a woman mm. um, so this like really excites ruth bader ginsburg because she's like look this is our way in this is discrimination against a man so the court will like you know look at it differently to just you know women where they dismiss it um and so by the end of the film like uh she wins this case and proves that the constitution um, discriminates on the basis of sex uh, and that is unconstitutional. And so this sets a precedence, which in law is really important 
So like once you've done something once, that you can then refer back to it and be like, oh, in Ginsburg versus yeah the state, like yeah. you know this is what happened. And so basically then there's like a very kind of brief epilogue where it kind of you know list says you know Ruth Bader Ginsburg went on to do this this and this and this. Um, but so the film subject matter like I find really interesting because um, obviously there's there's still kind of issues now with um, race and sex and, and discrimination and it kind of shows you like stuff has changed but not probably to the extent that it should have because um, you know there's a point in the film it's like there are over a hundred laws that discriminate on the basis of sex like women can't be uh, fighter pilots they can't work in mines they can't get credit cards in their own name all these sorts of things um and just think like fucking hell this was only like 50 years ago or 60 yeah. years ago. like and um they do like a moot court like a practice court and uh they say oh you know uh they, they actually end up comparing it to race which was you know like race um uh civil rights they say you know discrimination against women is a civil rights issue mm. which again is, is quite controversial because there was like a the makeup there's a black woman on, on on the jury on this mock jury and she's like are you equating women's struggles with the struggles that kind of african-american people have faced so there's like interesting kind of tensions there um you know this white woman is fighting for gender equality when there is still kind of racial inequality yeah uh, and i think that i think there's a line in the film where they say i would rather i'm going to be misquoting this but it'd be like i'd rather have a black guy work for me than a woman or something mm. uh, so again it's it's sort of like interesting in, in terms of like political hierarchy but um so for the subject matter was far more interesting than the film if that yeah. makes sense like i don't think the film did it did the subject matter justice um it was quite a, a fluffy kind of whimsical film um and i don't think it got the tone right it was quite melodramatic at points mm. um which i think kind of undermines the film so there's a point like right at the end when she's in she's at the court and she's lose she basically like her arguments aren't very good and she's getting frustrated and and she's only got a few minutes left and then she composes herself and delivers this amazing speech and all the you can see all the judges are like oh, okay yeah we get it you know we're wrong and like she wins the is case this, is this an actual trial or is this the pre the this is this is the this is the actual trial it was just quite contrived it's like that definitely didn't happen like that and you know it's just sort of like come on you know we this is a, a woman who's who's real and who's a supreme court judge now you don't need to reduce her her early life to this kind of melodrama yeah. um and um yeah i just thought it was a bit yeah i think the tone should have been a bit more like philadelphia or like other legal dramas where it's like really hard hitting and mm. so it keeps ramming home its point um and for me it, it didn't do that to the right extent um but i was interested in ruth bader ginsburg herself and obviously the legacy she's left um but yeah the film didn't really do her justice in my opinion would you recommend it to me I would recommend it if you're interested in law and yeah, and the 
and the imbalance in the inequality, yes. Um, and it wasn't a terrible, it wasn't a bad film. It was, it was, a, it was a past, you know, it was a, it was a right film, but the subject matter, it's, the film was not as good as the sum of its parts. Okay, yeah. That I makes agree. sense. So, I yeah. Okay. What else have you seen that's new? Um, what have I seen? Cold Pursuit. That film is trash. <laughs> Do you want to say anything else more about it? Or oh, really? The is it just the standard, rubbish. like, Liam Neeson just does, like, the same film? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like a typical Liam Neeson film. Like, he's basically gone on a quest for revenge, and he kills a load of people. And um, one weird thing that I don't really understand why they did. So whenever somebody died, they would give us their name, their nickname, and I think their religion, which I didn't really understand. Okay. And they did, yeah, they did that like for like every person throughout the film. And it's yeah, based on a true died. story. I don't think so. No, I think it's, I think it's uh, like, but it's based either based on a book or a play. I think one of them, oh. one of those. But yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. In my opinion, it's not very good. Oh. Uh, yeah. What else have I seen? I've seen The Kid Who Would Be King. Oh right. <laughs> that you you would have hated that film. Really? <laughs> you would have hate. You would have hated. I Why? liked it. What? The child actors weren't the best. Oh god. So and especially though, there was one kid called Bedders. He he is one of the worst actors I've ever, I have ever oh, really? seen. He's so bad. Like like he just kept like everything he was saying just like like no kid would ever like I don't think any kid would ever say this or, or say it say what you're saying the way you're saying it. Like he just turned like such a whiny little bitch like every two <laughs> minutes. He's so jarring. Oh my god. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good film. It's a nice little um little play on on the original like King Arthur story. The kid who plays Merlin, I think, is jokes. Okay. Um, and Patrick Stewart played like the old version of Merlin, which was quite funny. And yeah, it's 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 an alright film. It's 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 um it's very British. I don't know how why I'm saying it like that, but it's very, very British. And then Yeah, it hasn't done very well in America. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Okay, so it's just like... Because I've seen, like, little... Obviously, the trailer, and when she's like, how'd you learn to drive Mario Kart? Like, is it very kind of pop culture-y? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little bit... It's a little bit pop culture actually. There's a lot of, like, Lord of the Rings mentions and get a couple of Game of Thrones things and stuff like that. Okay. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a decent film. I'm not sure... if I liked it or not. <laughs> Okay, I think it's it's all right. Like, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go out and wait to go and see it again. And I feel like the final act is a bit not good. <laughs> okay, so you said you've seen thirteen films this year, and most of them are like six out of tens. What's yeah. the best film you've seen this year then? Uh, Green Book. Oh, okay, fair yeah. enough. Well, hopefully that clears up at the Oscars today. Um, but, yeah. I reckon Ali might win Best Supporting. Okay, that would be his second. Yeah. Second in a row, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a couple of documentaries on Netflix, which were at the same time hilarious, but also scary. Is one so, of them abducted in plain sight? Yes. I've heard so much about this. Oh, oh my. I really want to watch it. God, you should definitely watch it. It's like, I was watching it and I was like, are they taking the piss? Is this <laughs> is this real? So it's I won't like go into too much detail, but it's about this girl called Yan, 
uh, Jan, sorry, and um, just gave her a kind of Swedish inflection there, Jan. And uh, yeah, so she's 12 um, and she's got like younger sisters and her parents, like very Christian family. This new family move into the block and they're like the perfect fit. Like everyone's got a best friend. Like the, the two mothers get along well, the two fathers get along well, the sisters play with the children, blah, blah, blah. But the, the father of this new family, his name is uh, Robert. He um, become, becomes infatuated with Jan um, and he basically manipulates the family, the entire family. Into... Ben, quickly, Ben, sorry. Is this like a recreation of the of the events or, or well there like... there are some reconstructions okay okay but it's mostly talking heads so like oh talk, i see I talking see, to, see. to the parents and and relatives and blah 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 um oh, cool. so this guy robert or he's known as b um manipulates them all into spending time with jan like one-on-one and um he even convinces the parents to allow him to stay in her bed yeah. um and she's 12 and mm. he then kidnaps her and then um rapes her and then when they come back this family like he again he manipulates them into allowing him back into their lives and again kidnaps her again and you're like what the fuck is going on and you just think like how have these parents been manipulated yeah. into allowing this pedophile into like kidnapping and raping their daughter on multiple occasions and like part of part of me like struggles to f- to comprehend and to sympathize with them because she's got to see these parents that have allowed this to happen to their daughter yeah. um and also but also like this this, the, this guy b's brother was like yeah i knew he was into little girls but you know that was his thing it was like what how can you be that blasé about pedophilia um so it's it, the seventies, right? Yeah, but you're just like, oh my god, you got to watch it to believe it. Because, yeah, and there's other things that I haven't mentioned. And I've it's... heard, yeah, I've heard some some absolutely outrageous things about this. Oh so I heard god. that. I heard that. Um, I basically heard that the the, the daughter, the mum, and the dad were all in love with this guy. Yeah, they that... all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like when when you cheat on when you and your husband cheat on on each other with the same guy. <laughs> it's just like what the fuck? And then like there's a thing like this guy convinces Jan that that she's half alien and that he has to impregnate her to save the world. And it's just like you, I, I literally I was like, there's no way this is true. This has got to be a, someone's making this shit up. Like it's ridiculous. You've got to watch it. It's, yeah, you're just how, how many episodes is it? It's just one. It's an hour and a half. It's a documentary. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's right. I'm not watching today. And then the second one I watched was called Behind the Curve, which is a flat Earth documentary. Um, So, from from watching it, it doesn't seem to be on the side of flat Earth. It seems to sort of, some ways, seems to be like taking the piss out of them a little bit. Um. So it's basically, yeah, it follows this guy called Mark Sargent and various other people who are convinced the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. Um, just, actually, I just, before I go, to, you, you, you believe the, the earth is a globe, right? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. you're not a secret flat earther. Okay, cool. Because I'm going to be quite, you know, <laughs> uh, negative about these people. Um, 
so these guys, like the people, I don't know if it's the people they followed, whether they chose it on purpose, but the people they interviewed, this Mark Sargent guy, like he goes around wearing a t-shirt saying, I'm Mark Sargent. And it's like, he's like become some sort of minor celebrity within the Flat Earth community. And he loves it. He like laps up this attention. There's another guy that they follow. And this guy's like conspiracy theorist, like about everything. He's like, um, he's like, yeah, 9-11 didn't happen. He's like, um, you know, all these other things. Like, it's like vaccines. Yeah, fuck that. You know, anti-vaxxer, like just oof, aggravating and um there's another woman she's a flat earther she doesn't like she doesn't believe in 9-11 either she's a vegan um there's just but it follows them and and i'm just and then some of them try and do experiments they're like oh yeah we're gonna prove the the earth is is flat or, or not round actually um so one of them gets this gyroscope it's like i think it's twenty thousand dollars and they, he puts it on the Earth to measure its rotation because right. he says, oh, well, if the Earth's a sphere uh, and it does a whole rotation in a day, it should spin 15 degrees every hour. So he puts the thing on gyroscope, measures it for an hour, and he's like, oh, it moved 15 degrees. <laughs> 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 and he was, like, he was like, oh, do you know what it is? So basically, a lot of these people believe that the Earth is flat and surrounded by a dome. Um, and so they're oh, it's the projection of the dome. So the dome above us has moved um, 15 degrees, like the sky. So he puts it in a box, and he's like a way to try and get the what he calls heavenly rays to to not kind of influence the gyroscope. Still move 15 degrees. So he's like fuck. Um, so he's like okay, well we can prove the Earth's flat uh, by doing a, a shooting a laser across a long distance. And if it intersects three poles at the exact same height, it proves that the Earth is flat. So they get, they do this test, and they find that the laser does not intersect at the same point uh, because the Earth is not flat. Uh, so <laughs> it sort of shows these people as being quite ridiculous and very narrow-minded, um, and it um, complements that with discussions with scientists, psychotherapists and various other kind of academics who are all saying like, you know, look, we shouldn't be dismissive of these people. They have a belief system. We should encourage them to test this belief system and, you know, try and show them where, you know, they're going wrong. And they're saying, look, science is all about searching for the truth. So, you know what, the Earth, if they find evidence that the Earth is flat, then that's what the new theory will be. But so they're very much kind of like open-minded, not too flat earth, but kind of that they, they just come across a lot more rational and they're like, yeah, look, the reason we know the earth is a globe is because of X, Y, Z and blah, 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 blah. Whereas these flat earthers are like, oh, it's the government. Oh, this guy's fake. This guy, you know, he's a government employee. Um, it's like the Truman Show, blah, 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 blah. Like all of these theories. And again, they're not considering that they could be that they could be wrong. And one of the main issues with this Mark Sargent guy is they say to him, you're so kind of revered within this community. What if you ever realized or changed your belief system? Like, how could you get out of this community? And he was like, I just wouldn't. He was like, I just, you know, so it kind of makes you think that some of these people are kind of remaining as flat earthers just because they've ostracized themselves from the kind of real world. Yeah. Um, so it's, it was really interesting. But again, obviously, there is a 
bias to it because, you know, they've obviously, I don't know if they've purposely chosen people who seem a bit unhinged versus academics who are quite rational. But again, it was really interesting that like this movement, especially in America, is just so kind of growing. It's yeah. just like, how can people believe this? Like, all you need to do is go on a fucking aeroplane and you can see the curvature of the Earth. But yeah, so I mean, it's really interesting, both of those documentaries, but both of them, you just like, how on earth is this a thing? Is that, is that other one on Netflix as well? Yeah. It's, okay. Again, it's an hour and a half. It's called, I think it's called Behind the Curve. Um, I get really interesting, um, but also like ridiculous at the same time. Yeah. Anything else that you you want to mention? Um, yeah. So I don't know how much you, how much have you watched, but do you want to talk a little bit about the Umbrella Academy or no? Yeah. So I've seen first two episodes. Okay. Um. So yeah, what, Umbrella what Academy. Are your thought, what are your thoughts on it so far? I really like it. Um. I had no idea what to expect. Mm. So, for those of you who don't know, it's a kind of superhero-ish TV show based on a Dark Horse comic by Gerard Way, who was the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Um, so he created this comic and it's now been adapted into TV. It follows seven children um, who were all born from kind of immaculate conception. So, mm. <laughs> you know, their mothers were not pregnant the day they were born. And then they were all, there's 43 of them. And this, this eccentric billionaire adopts seven. And then as adults, they will reunite for his funeral. Um, but there are only initially five of them uh, that return because one of them has died and one of them was missing. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the whole, so number five comes back uh, yeah. and he says that in eight days, the world is going to end. And then that's kind of the plot. Um, yeah. And he's a 58 first... year old man, a 13 year old boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think um, that kid's great, by the way. I think he's a brilliant. He's actor. a yeah. He's really good from the first two episodes. So he's actually my favourite character so far. Um, he's my like, he's probably my second favourite. Who's your favourite? Uh, Klaus. Oh really? He's just playing the same guy from Misfits. It's funny though. I I think I love Nathan. I love Nathan in Misfits. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like he doesn't think... remind me of that guy, and I just, I think he's great. But he does get things he. Obviously, later on, he does get a couple moments where his character does develop, I would say. Okay, that's good. Um, yeah. Because so, so yeah, far, in the first two episodes, they haven't really addressed the fact that the world is going to end in a few days. Like, um, number five is trying to find out where this eyeball came from. But th there's not really much urgency, um, it seems. Mm. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how it, how, how it develops. I also... So one of the characters, Vanya... Um, played by Ellen Page is kind of reclusive, shy and you see from flashbacks that you know she's ostracised because she doesn't have any special powers but I'm wondering if it's going to be one of these things, one of these reveals where like she does actually have a really like important power that's just she doesn't know how to access yet or, or something um, so I'm anticipating that happening um, but yeah I think like the each character is is interesting. Um, I like the dynamics. I like the um, different powers that they have. I like the action scenes that they do it to a lot of music, like contemporary music that we know of, like Don't Stop Me Now. Um, I just I enjoyed, I don't know, I enjoyed the bit where 
like I think it's the first episode where he plays the song and they're all in their individual rooms dancing. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was pretty, pretty joke. And it's just this, this series has a lot of energy and I like yeah. that. It's just, okay. I mean, it's not that frenetic, but each character's like, there's always something going on. They've always got a lot of energy and the music's really good. And yeah, so far I'm just really enjoying it. But you've finished it. So what, what are your thoughts? I'm saying with you, I've, I've genuinely really really enjoyed it and i don't i don't quite know why i feel like <laughs> just just because it's something obviously I, I like the superhero genre but i do feel like it's kind of different i don't know and like i kind of get like a little bit of an x-men sort of x-men sort of vibe yeah but the fact that the professor x is very obviously their father is very different to professor x in uh in x-men but yeah i don't know there's just something about it that like i was really enjoying and like it's a, it was one of them shows where when it was getting to the end, I was like, oh, shit, man, we're almost to the end of this episode sort of thing. And like, I, kept, I like, really wanted to keep watching. And I think I like that all the characters had very distinct personalities, but they're all similarly affected in the way that like their dad is a pretty much was it like a shit dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, go on. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, a, there, it's interesting as well, because obviously seven of these children were adopted but 43 of them were born so it kind of makes me think there are another like 30 odd people out there with superpowers that's what i'm thinking and like this isn't really a spoiler but like you never find out why this happened oh okay the immaculate conceptions and i'm still wondering like if they're going to tell us that (laughs) if we're ever going to find out yeah did you think (laughs) Uh, this will have a series two i really hope so i really really hope so um uh I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of the way the series the series ended. I think that was the biggest letdown of the season for me. Okay. I wasn't a fan of how it ended, but up until that point, I thought it was really, really good. And again, like I said, I like Klaus. I like um, number five. I liked all of them actually. Like I'm not gonna lie, yeah, I liked all of them. I thought they were all re- they were all really good. Um, even I liked um, Hazel and Cha Cha, and like. It got to the point now I'm thinking like Hazel's a really good name for a boy if I have a boy. <laughs> really? I don't know. I really like her name now. Hazel. <laughs> but yeah. I like Hazel and um, he gets a, a, some good scenes I would say with, okay. with, with various diff- like with Cha-Cha with number five with other, loads of other people which I think are really good. Um, I The only thing that I think maybe might have been a little bit lacking was that I don't think we got to see enough of um Obviously, he's dead, but we didn't get, I don't think we got to see enough of um, the dad, Reginald. Okay. I would like to see a bit more of him in his, maybe his motivations. Yeah, especially because he is the inciting incident for them all to come back. Exactly. And obviously, it impacts their lives so much. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I'm interested to watch the remaining six or eight episodes. I can't remember how many it is. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely going to try and finish that soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else is, is that, that you want to mention? Um, I also watched the first episode of Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah. Which is getting a lot of, like, people l- are loving it. Like, I saw someone say, like, a, a critic saying it's, like, the best opening to... Obviously, some people have watched more than one episode, but only one is available to um, the public, I guess. Oh, well, there's two now, but at the time, it was only one. Um, saying, like, it was the best first two episodes of a superhero show you'd ever watched and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, like, getting, like, super good reviews. I watched the first episode and I liked it, but I didn't think it was like, you know, amazing or anything. Um, I would say it was 
um, on par with the t- first episode of Titans. Maybe I might have enjoyed the Titans episode a little bit more. Okay. Uh, it's very, um, it's quite uh, not. I want to say self-referential, but I'm not, I don't think that's quite the right word. But I do get a, a little bit of a Deadpool-y vibe from it. One, oh, okay. And and a very like uh, kind of like a Legends of Tomorrow vibe as well. Like we just. Uh, bringing together loads of misfits, you know, and it's going to be kind of funny and kind of wacky and kind of crazy, which I don't mind, you know. I, but I did enjoy the first episode, yeah, I thought it was decent. They have yeah. recast some of the people from the backdoor pilot from Titans, haven't they? Yeah, but the guy who plays the chief or the doctor, doctor is, is, is a different actor. Does because in the in the Titans episode, doesn't he get um crippled? Yeah. Does. Is that does that carry on into Doom Patrol? It does, but I'm actually not. Like now I'm thinking about, it, I'm actually not really sure where the pilot takes place in terms of Titans. Oh, okay. If it's before, or if it's after, if it's if it's before, I think it'll make more sense, I guess. But then they're saying that it's they like they've made a point of the fact that it's 2019, and I'm pretty sure Titans is set in 2018. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. Hmm. I don't, I'm not sure if I get it, but you know it's 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 good. Um, the girl who plays Crazy Jane, um, who's in Orange Is New Black, she swears a lot. It's quite funny. Um, nice. There's Brendan Brendan Fraser is banging some girl within like the first two minutes. I was like, fucking hell! I watched it at work as well. I was like, Jesus Christ! Let <laughs> 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 just cover up the screen a little bit. Bare titties flying out and stuff. And I was like, fuck me. But um, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm curious to see where, where they're gonna go. Okay. Do you reckon it'll be on Netflix? Uh, I think yeah, eventually, eventually it will be. Yeah. I haven't heard anything official though. Whereas with Titans, like we did here, quite soon after or quite soon before it come out in uh, on the DC app that it would be on Netflix. Whereas with this, I haven't heard anything about it being on Netflix, so I'm not sure. I'd hope so. I assume so. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Yeah, and we've got so coming up, we've got Captain Marvel in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. So, hope. I think this year's going to be a big year for films. There's lots yeah. of like big sequels, big studio Avengers. films coming out. Aladdin. Uh, oh, Lion mate, King. fuck that. Fuck Aladdin. Like, things <laughs> suck. Um, I, bought the, I bought the original on DVD. I'm going to watch it at some point. I haven't seen it yet. No. Um, although, A Whole New World is a banger. Um, that mm. song. Um, but yeah, I feel like you know the first couple of months of the year is always like the arty kind of Oscar yeah. awards films. Then we're gonna hit them with uh, gonna get hit with Captain Marvel, Endgame, Spider Man, wow. Toy Story Four, like Star Wars Nine, like all these Men in Black. Nah. Um, oh yeah, the Joker. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna. Ugh. Sometimes I'm like, should I just cancel my pass? But then I'm like, nah, I'm definitely going to want to see loads of films. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> cool. Is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap up? Um, I don't... Nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, which we'll say again, Cold Pursuit is hot trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, don't, if you take anything away from this episode, it is Cold Pursuit is shit. Um, I haven't seen it, but I trust your opinion on that. Uh, so yeah thanks for listening to your average critics uh, please follow us on social media we're on twitter at YSE Podcast 17 we're on facebook instagram 
SoundCloud and iTunes under Your Average Critics. Please do comment, question, and get involved. Peace. Peace.